Welcome to episode number 55 of the Road to Cinema podcast, featuring a special press conference for the new movie Youth, opening in New York and Los Angeles on Friday, December 4th. You'll first hear a press conference with the actors of the film, which feature Michael Caine, Harvey Keitel, Paul Dano, Jane Fonda, and Rachel Weiss, And then the filmmakers of Youth, which include the writer and director Paolo Sorrentino, who won an Academy Award for Best Foreign Language Film on The Great Beauty. We'll also hear from composer David Lang and producer Niccolo Giolano. Youth tells the story of a composer played by Michael Caine, along with his best friend, an American film director played by Harvey Keitel, who contemplate their lives and careers while on vacation in the Swiss Alps. For more information on the Road to Cinema podcast, to read the Road to Cinema blog, and to watch our Road to Cinema YouTube series, please visit jogroadproductions.com. And don't forget, you can follow us on Twitter, at jogroad, follow us on Instagram at jogroadproductions, like us on Facebook, jogroadproductions, subscribe to our YouTube channel, jogroadproductions, and don't forget to write us a nice review on the iTunes podcast page for the Road to Cinema podcast. Do all of the above, and you'll have a chance to win a free download of the Final Draft screenwriting software brought to you by Road to Cinema and our friends at Final Draft. And now we join part one of the youth press conference featuring the actors of the film, Michael Caine, Harvey Keitel, Rachel Weiss, Paul Dano, and Jane Fonda. And youth opens in theaters in New York and Los Angeles on Friday, December 4th. Well, good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to the press youth conference. My name is Roger Durling. I'm with the Santa Barbara Film Festival. And uh, welcome all. Um, this is quite an uh, amazing group of people. I'm actually overwhelmed at the amount of talent in this room. Um, I want to start. Um, I want to start. You know, right out with you. Um, I don't even know how to address you, Sir Michael Caine. No, 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 no. no you, you, you only address me as Michael. That's okay. All. You know, my, Michael, this role was written by Paulo for you, and it was quite a great, you know, gift. You know, can you tell us, you know, the experience of of receiving this role and actually working with Paulo? Well, I mean, receiving the role was an absolute surprise because when when. I'd, I'd seen all of, over the years, I'd seen everything Paolo had done, but I mean, not intentionally. I, I, I just saw these great movies. And then I saw Great Beauty, and then it won the Academy Award for the best foreign film. Uh, and then my agent rang me and said, we've got a script for you from Paolo Sorrentino. And I, and I was amazed that he'd heard of me. Be <laughs> because we didn't seem to be in the same sphere, you know what I mean? He's, uh, 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 and I, I didn't understand it. And then she said, it's a script, and he, he's written it for you. And I went, oh, and, and I said, really? And she said, and if you don't do it, he won't do the movie. So I said, all right, I'll do the movie. <laughs> because I, I was completely stunned to be offered this movie in and, and, uh, and those circumstances, you know? Mm -hmm. uh, and it, 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 it was hard to believe, mm -hmm. but it was true. Because I did the movie. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, you know, w one of the most spectacular moments in the film is that you conduct this 120-piece orchestra. You know, what, yeah. was, what was that experience like? Well, it was, it was four weeks of hard work, really, and, and two great conductors who taught me who were so wonderful to me. They were, they were absolutely fabulous, you know? And, and 
I just met Sumi Joe in the corridor there, and she told me that I was a good conductor, so I feel good. <laughs> you know, Harvey, um, you, <coughs> you actually sought um, uh, Paolo. You know, you were a big fan of the great beauty, and you actually reached out to him. You know, you know what was it about you know, wanting to work with well, Paolo? My story was somewhat similar to Michael's. I was stunned also not to be offered the part. <laughs> no, but, oh, I just put a point out. He said, but I said uh, Paolo wrote it for me, and he he said he said I wrote it for two of you, but the other one was busy. <laughs> I'm sorry, I've got you. Uh, um, uh, Paolo offered it to offered it to two other actors. But I had Joe Pesci kill them both. <laughs> so I wound up with the part, and here I am. <laughs> and, and, you know, you've worked with, uh, you know, Tarantino. You've worked with Jane Campion. You've worked with Martin Scorsese. What was it about, you know, working with Paolo Sorrentino? Well, having seen his work, uh, and um, the themes he wrote about in, in youth was just so, so... Uh, so touching and uh, and um, and reflected the way I was thinking about my own life, the friendships I had as a youth growing up in Brooklyn, how important they were to me, to my survival growing up, and um, what what its underlying currents of betrayal and loyalty and fear of the truth mean in developing real friendship. And Paolo wrote about all these streams. Uh, in the film of youth. Mm -hmm. uh, Rachel, uh, uh, your character... Such a beautiful answer, Harvey. Yeah. Thank you. Such a beautiful yeah, answer. You. Did you sleep with Gilda Black? <laughs> <laughs> I never made it. Did he did it. He didn't. He did. You did. <laughs> but I've forgiven him. I will never tell. <laughs> you know, Rachel, your character is... I, it's the one that I actually sympathize with, with, with the most. You know, she's been living in the shadows of, of her famous father, and she's struggling with overcoming so many fears. She's gone through this major crisis. You know, can you talk about you know, you know, your character and your role? Yeah, I think her whole her whole uh, life is her dad, her very famous, charismatic, wonderful dad. Um, I think. My sense is she might need him more than he needs her. I don't know. She, look, she's his assistant. She's, she's, she's very worried for him. She knows that he's in, in a kind of creative crisis. She knows that he's in this deep mourning for my mom, his wife. And I think she really wants him to be released again, which he is at the end of the movie. He, he, he finds uh, a future this great optimistic bright future and he can create and work again and he's, he's free from being a prisoner of, 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 of the past. And, and similarly my character too, I, I'm, I'm married to uh, my dad's best friend's son. It's, it's very incestuous the whole thing. I mean I sleep in the same bed as my dad, not in an incestuous way, but you know it's still very, uh, very needy. And, and my character finds love and a new life and in, in the form of uh, Luca, the fabulous yeah. tall mountaineer and she she climbs up high and sees she overcomes her fear of heights which is a metaphor for many 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 things right. and she sees the earth from a new perspective which is 
also a metaphor for many things. So yeah, I think I think Harvey's character doesn't fare so well at the end, um, <laughs> as we all know. But Michael and my character, we have a big second chance, I think, which is we have different endings, right? Well, and that was the part that I actually felt that was so powerful, at least for me, that you know, the idea of overcoming fears that which your character does is the key to you. I agree. Sorry. No, 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 no. I agree. I agree. I agree. <laughs> yeah, overcoming fear is because that's what happened when you're young. You don't. Ah, yeah. Well, I will, You know, when you're very young, you're not scared of anything. Foolishly so, and you get older and wiser, and then you get scared of things. And it's yeah, it's wonderful to overcome fear. That's the greatest. Greatest thing. Can Paul, yeah, yeah, go can ahead. I just add one thing. So sorry, Paul. Yeah. Because I, 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 um, I, I don't feel the characters don't fare well at the end. I, I think they fare very well because of what Paolo wrote about friendship. Okay. And um, uh, the character that Rachel plays, um, somebody says something, I think I do, about the friendship is so long and good because we never talk about the bad things, only the good things. Mm. Well, the way Paolo wrote the story, it shows you what that leads to. So I think it's a, they do fare well in terms of the story. What does it lead to? To be very mindful of your own reasons for having a friendship and to try to be as truthful a person as you can be, have the courage to be. Okay, thank you, so excuse me. <laughs> Paul, um, your character seems, at least from my perspective, seems more worn and weary than you know, Fred and Mick. And, mm -hmm. you know, and the fact that he's kind of haunted by this one character that is, he's been you know, pigeonholed. Mm -hmm. um, you know, um, how, you know, can you, can you tell us about your journey in, with the character? Yeah. Um, you know, at, at first glance, I was actually really a, a, uh, attracted to sort of the external elements of Jimmy, which is not, not sort of normal for me, but I was really curious what it would be like if, if I had a certain idea of myself and a certain sense of uh, vanity, um, and if I, y you know, had been somebody who um, was uh, cool enough to, to wear sunglasses in here, um, y y you know, uh, and um, you gotta be really cool. That suit isn't bad. <laughs> well, I'm trying. I'm trying now. Um, I, um, you know, my character is preparing for a certain role, and and I was so excited that to. Paolo uh, wanted me to do the film and to work with these guys that I actually didn't like think about that right away and then I sort of had an existential comeuppance with the idea that I have to dress as a, as a certain character in the film and it was sort of through investigating that that I found what the film w w was about for, for me and for Jimmy Tree um, which I think the weariness that you're talking about when you are disillusioned with something um, you know Jimmy if he's going to keep acting, I think has to refine the, the the youth in his own work and why he's doing it, and not be worried about what other people think or even the idea of something what he wants it to be. And I think the scene that I have that night with Harvey is sort of about um, there are parts that are 
that you have something to offer to and that they have something to offer you in return. Um, and that's like the, that's the, the, the great thing that we sometimes meet in a character. Um, and I think by learning that, that Hitler was not his part, he, the next job that he does, I felt, I felt like is gonna be a good one for, for, for Jimmy Tree. <laughs> and, um, and Ms. Fonda, your, your role, it's a six minute tour de force, take no prisoners, um, your 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 transformation in it. I mean, we're so we're used to look at you right now. You're so elegant and poised, and this is not what we see in with Brenda. You know, you know. Tell us about you know diving into this character of Brenda. Well, um, you know, like others have said too. I I would have. I wanted to work with Paolo. I had seen Il Divo, I had seen Great Beauty. I was told that there was this character that um, would be really good for me. Another actor was cast and then dropped out. Um, I just said, I don't care what, what the part is. I want to be in a movie with Paolo because his whole process and, and um, you know, he writes it, he directs it. Um, it comes from the deepest parts of himself I'm not even sure he can explain in a, in a cerebral way what he was meaning. Don't you find that he's, he's strangely inarticulate when he tries to talk about it? Um, and yet he knows exactly what he wants. I was working, so I got him on the phone. He got me on the phone. He said, I'm going to send you photographs of how you want to look. I mean, you know, and he just, and he did the color of the hair, how the wig was gonna look, like a real wig, the way Sophia Loren's wig looks like, and how I was gonna dress, and all of that. And you know, he had the icons of Italian hair and makeup and wardrobe there. So I just kind of like put myself in his hands and, and by the time it was all done, and my face was white and my lips were dark and I had a beauty mark and the wig was on and this yellow dress, it was like, you don't have to do much work. <laughs> Right? Mm -hmm. That's what I found. And Harvey, what was it like to have that six-minute, six you know, pas de deux with uh, Ms. Fonda? Well, um, uh, Jane is a diva. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, in the good sense, why are you making a face? Is that, is that a I bad word? I don't see word? myself that way, but I'll accept it. I'll take it, man, whatever it means. You're a legend. You're a, you're, a, you're an icon, which, whichever That's way it, you want. Uh, an icon. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but but more importantly, um, that's another scene that manifests this theme of uh, of friendship and um, and how dangerous it can be if it's not honest and about loyalty and uh, and betrayal and what it can do to a person if you're not can't find the courage to be honest with yourself. And can't be honest with another person, and you know the results of what happens in that scene. So it was a very powerful one in terms of theme in the movie. Well, let's open it up for yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. Well, uh, the film deals with so many different kinds of art: uh, acting, music, uh, writing, and storytelling. Deals with so many different types of art. Uh, Your voice sounds the same. Acting. It's exactly the same. <laughs> Did making the film change any of your views on art? On art? 
<laughs> well, by the time I was working with Paolo, I thought, well, art must be available to everybody. Because I, you know, I, I, I considered Paolo such a great artist. As I said, I, I, didn't, I didn't think he would know who I was. But it, it was great. But, but I, th there are things I learned in it. I mean, the, the most important sentence in it was, uh, uh, um, I'm, I'm, I'm at my doctor's, and, and the doctor d says to me, how do you f feel about getting old? And I, I say, I don't understand how I got here. And that applies to me, personally. I don't understand, you know, about two years ago, I was 35, <laughs> and suddenly I'm 83, and I went, what the hell happened? <laughs> I think I see how art can keep a person vital, because you look at these three, and how vital they are as people and artists still, and I wonder how much art has, has fed them and, and brought them to, to this place today. Uh, being so healthy and happy and hungry and still contributing. Hungry being the operative word, by the way. No, yeah. I mean giving. Staying but, but hungry. You, no. Yeah, yeah, look what you gave to that. That's scene. what you youth have to is be about. Hungry to do that. Is staying hungry. How can I get more? How can I learn more? How can I stay passionate, hungry? And you know, some people lose it and phone it in, right? Yeah. Like Mick. I'm sorry, but <laughs> well, I got I got all my ideas about art from Jerry Lewis, from from that's, from, yeah, that's from a smart, skit he yeah. once did. Uh, he was playing Romeo and Juliet. Oh, we'll take it. <laughs> from a skit Jerry Lewis once did, he was playing Romeo and Juliet, and he was Romeo and the actress Juliet, and she comes out on the porch uh, on the terrace and says. Romeo, Romeo, wherefore art thou Romeo? And Jerry Lewis says, I art right here. <laughs> that was always my idea of art. <laughs> I have a question for Michael Harvey. Um, you played uh, 60 year old, friends of 60 years. And it was just, it was, uh, it was wonderful. Is there a history between the two of you? How do you know each other? Well, I considered I wanted to be like Michael when I first saw his, his, his early films. He's one of those actors that set a standard of the work for all actors. So uh, I felt I knew him from way back, although we hadn't met. He never told me that. <laughs> yes, I have. Yes, you do. Well, yeah. <laughs> what was your... Well, we had, we had a fortunate thing for a start, is that we're both ex-soldiers. And that makes that makes for an instant bond in, in certain levels, you know. Which I don't want to start this again, but I was a marine. It kept going. <laughs> it was, I was in the Marines. A marine is a soldier. That's why I said soldiers. Uh, and I was in the British Army, uh, and uh, you just know certain things that no one else knows, and, and that's the end of that, you know. And, and, and that started our friendship. And he's a very nice man. And I'm a very nice man, and we became friends, and he's a fabulous actor, and I'm nearly as good as he is, and so we became great friends. There you go. Go ahead, man. Yeah, thanks, thanks. Hi. Um, I attended a, the AFI screening of uh, youth, and afterwards there was a conversation, and in that conversation, uh, Michael Caine and Paulo spoke about uh, how uh, he directed and, and 
uh, he said that he said he got everybody on set and said, uh, okay, now work. So what, what, <laughs> with his style of direction, what was that like for you to be thrust into this uh, movie, this amazing film, but just told to act? The camera comes on and now act. Uh, so if you'd like to, all of you, please. Well, it was great to work with him because like all great act directors, he is not performing himself. He's just looking. Sometimes you get these directors who are not, not very efficient. They become directors, and they, they think they're supposed to do what they've seen in a movie when they were a little boy, what a director does. is start shouting and bawling or something. He's Like all great directors, and I've worked with several, he is very, very quiet, knows exactly what he wants, yeah. and knows exactly when he's not getting it. He casts carefully because he's deeply sensitive. He casts some, you know, people that he knows he has a chemistry with and that have chemistry with the person that he's written for them to play. And, you know, Fred Zinnemann rarely said anything to his actors. Hal Ashby rarely said anything to his actors. So I wasn't unused to director who never said anything. Um, but then he would conduct us. I don't think it was just me and Harvey. You know, he'd say, ratchet it up a little more, or sotto voce. I mean, did he do that with you? That was about it. Just, yeah. just he sometimes would say, cry, don't cry, faster, slower. Okay. It was very yeah. like a conductor. Right. Yeah. I, I was working with John Houston, and he didn't give me any directions. So I said, John, I said, you never give me any directions. And he said, you get paid a great deal of money to do this. You don't need me to tell you what to do. And I, and I said to him, what's, what's the art of, of directing? He said, casting. Yeah, that's what Zinnemann thought, too. Yeah, casting. You don't have, if you cast it right, you don't have to say anything. Yeah. Well, Harvey, I read, I mean, or I heard you do an interview that he allowed you to improvise, you know, the part, in some of the scenes. Um, not really in the scene itself, but... Um, well, there were there were moments he did that, but mostly in rehearsal. Um, he allowed me to in, improvise with him and the other actors. I'm not sure now, uh, but to in order for me to find my way into the part, and there was one moment I might have improvised some things, and Jane helped me in one thing we did. So there was a little bit of that, but it, his writing is so. So precise yeah. and uh, uh, vulnerable yeah. that it was easy to come to it. I, I never had lived anything. I just did the words, you know, and I went, You're lucky to get away with that. <laughs> <laughs> you did actually. Did we? Yeah, there was one scene when, I, when I'm in the background and you're talking to the Queen's emissary, and I'm, I was trying not to cry, um, but I was getting upset because you were talking about my dead mom, yeah, your ex-wife, yeah, yeah. and I was sort of sniveling as quietly as I could, and you had your back to me, and you just went, Lena? And I said, yes. <laughs> and you went, stop crying. <laughs> that, was, that wasn't in the script. But he, yeah, Michael, so in the moment, he, he doesn't, there's no difference between <laughs> him acting and not acting, mm -hmm. I don't think. And Rachel, I was, also, I, I was struck watching the film that, that you and, 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 and your father share, you know, you're sharing the same bedroom, you're, you know, sleeping, you know, with each other in a very, you know, tender, intimate way, you know, you know, can you talk a little bit about that? We never really analyzed it. We didn't no, ever no, analyze anything. I didn't anything. dare analyze it. <laughs> <laughs> I 
I just, I just kept over my side to quite. <laughs> she kept over her side. You know, I've got two daughters. We we never slept together, any of us. No, yeah. it's, it's beyond my, beyond the pale for me. It's I just very don't. bohemian, isn't it? <laughs> I, I I guess it m- must have begun after his wife, my mum, died. I would I would imagine yeah. that's when it. Yeah. Started. I, I think yeah. it was. Uh, yeah, when she was little, she slept with her dad when her mum died, I suppose. Imagine. Yeah, I think. The we, maestro we just walked in, by the way. Hey! hey. hey. <laughs> your ears must have been ringing. All of them praising your work. Yeah, we just said how great you were. Yeah. Okay, thank you. Okay. <laughs> yeah, but it's been lost in translation. Right. Yes, go ahead, man. Yeah, I was going to ask you guys, because this is said in a, a kind of a environment um, both physically and it feels like a, the color palette and everything just feels very cold and you know here these people are supposed to be on a health retreat and to me it seemed very sterile almost like a hospital so I'm wondering for each of you what is your ideal place to kind of get away like what what kind of environment do you go to to like relax and kind of you know do the spa thing and be you know comfortable I mean maybe you like the cold but to me it just seemed cold yeah. me I, I, I go to the sunshine Always, mm-hmm. in, in, in the man who would be king, I played a guy called Peachy, and someone said, I had to send a message, and I said, just tell him Peachy's gone south for the winter. <laughs> that sums me up. I hate the cold, and I, I, and I don't want to go skiing. You know, everybody I see who goes skiing, they sort of got their arm in a sling, and say, why don't you go slinging? You know, could you fall over? <laughs> I love weather. Oh, okay. <laughs> it relaxes me. I just want to be able to be relaxed enough to answer questions like Harvey. That's what I want. But I think for me, not having a schedule, like suddenly having a couple of hours without anything to do and just going on a walk, even around Manhattan where I live and just people watching, that I find very relaxing but the place in Switzerland there, it, there are places like that there they are spas with do, with doctors so they are there are people with clinical expertise that are like you know looking at your stool <laughs> <laughs> I just had to say that today. <laughs> sorry, uh, sorry gentlemen. I, I feel you know I'm fortunate to get to travel for, for work so I think actually home is you know mm. where I, where I, I want to be Oh, I don't know. I, I think I kind of am at my best at 14,000 feet. So, uh, you know, that would be ideal for me. What, is, that an, is that an airplane? <laughs> <laughs> no, top no. of a mountain. Oh, sorry. Yeah, yeah, of course, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Really? Yeah, I like climbing mountains. Do you? I like it to be so high that the air is thin. Mm-hmm. Some people get sick. I, I become my better self. Really? Yeah, wow. I love it. Don't know and why. and so speaking of altitude, Jane, what was it like shooting that incredibly dramatic scene in the plane where you are, you've lost it all? The daughter of my manager who saw the film with me in Rome early on thought <laughs> that Brenda was having a baby. <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> I don't know what I did wrong, but <laughs> I know it was weird. It was strange. Mm-hmm. You know, that's where technique comes in. You just kind of like, we had a very limited amount of time and you just had to kind of turn it on and get hysterical. It's not the most fun kind of work to do, right? I'd much rather have 
interactions than being hysterical. And I was worried that people wouldn't know what I was being hysterical about. And then we had to put in words that I recorded here and sent over there so that they'd know that it was because of Mick. Any other questions? Yeah, go ahead. Hi. Uh, congratulations to all of you on this. Just such superb, profound work. I, uh, if we can go down the line, I, I would be curious to uh, hear if each of you have your own version of, you know, the simple songs from Mr. Q, something that people always talk to you about, but you would rather talk about something else you've done. You mean a song? Um, I, I mean, like, you, you know, like, people always talk to Meister about simple songs and their other pieces. He's, you know... Yeah. Created the people, uh, you know, yeah. that he would rather talk about. Do, do you have your own thing that fans always ask you about, and and what movie would you rather talk about that you've done? Yeah, I'd, uh, I I don't like people who bring up flop films that you've made, you know, because <laughs> it's sort of unkind. You didn't know they were a flop when you were going in, you know, and so they don't give you uh, 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 a chance of failure. You've got to be a success every time. And so that's why they're talking to you, and you're not talking to them. <laughs> <laughs> My turn. Yes, please. <laughs> I surrender. <laughs> I uh, can I say this? I don't like when people ask me about any film I've done, because I feel the film speaks stronger than I can speak yeah. for the film, because the work. The pleasure is in the work, in creating the work. One little moment, and you know you found the truth of that moment, is enough satisfaction for me, and, and especially in youth. I mean, uh, if it was a Dostoevsky novel, and you said to me, well, what's it about? I'd say, read it. Mm. So when you ask me about that, I would say, watch youth. It can tell you all about everything that I think you would have questions about. I could have shortened that up, by the way, but... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I just love what these guys just said. I mean, I, I agree with Michael that I think failure is, is, inc is incredibly important for everyone in whatever they do. Um, so I guess you've got to cherish your failures and not feel that you're going to be uh, attacked for them. Um, and I also agree with Harvey. <laughs> so wise, you guys. Um, that, um, yeah, that, that work should speak for itself. I don't know. It's also nice to have... Uh, I, don't, I don't have any, uh, there's not something that I'm that people come up to me and talk about that I wish that they hadn't the thing that I'm people most talk to me about is The Mummy and I, I'm really proud of that film I love it so I'm, I'm happy to chat about it so yeah but yeah failure is important um, I think when I was a little younger I probably felt self-conscious about things now I sort of embrace anything you know like I remember doing this movie called The Girl Next Door when I was younger and and I was very self-conscious about it for a while because I, I wanted to be a, an actor, you know, and you just sort of felt like it's so easy to sort of get typecast and this and that. And now I love when people come up to me and they're like, you know, we watched that in my college dorm room and it's fucking awesome. <laughs> and, um, and so I think it's, I think it's, it's a, definitely a lot more fun to just em, embrace it uh, mm -hmm. than to let it be something that uh, hangs over you. Yeah, here, here. 
I agree. I don't care what anybody asks me. It's up to me whether I want to answer it or not, but, you know, bring it on. Sometimes when people ask me what it's about, I say it's about an hour and 50 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> can, can I just add one, one, one thing? I, I don't want to be, uh, I, I didn't explain it well enough, and I don't want to be mis misunderstood. What I meant is I don't like talking about, I like talking with people about the story. I just don't like being put on the spot to say what the film is about. Our pleasure is in creating the story, so we can talk about it. That's the reason to go to the theater, so we can discuss those obstacles and those problems. So I don't want, I just don't want to be misunderstood. Okay. Well, and you should all be very proud of the work you've done in this film. Thank you so much for doing this. Thank you. Thank you. Well, hello, everybody, and um, you know, please welcome uh, you know, director Paula Sorrentino, composer David Lang, and producer Nicola Guliano. And um, I'm Roger Derling, and this is the press conference for youth. Um, you know, I'll start with you, um, um, uh, um, Paulo. Um, youth is dedicated to the acclaim. Paolo Sorrentino, Nicola Giuliano, David Lang. Um, Paolo, um, you dedicated the film to the acclaimed direct Italian director uh, Francesco Rossi, and you had a relationship with him, a mentor relationship with him. I'm just wondering, you know, um, you know, the inspiration to the film and, and why you, you decided to um, honor, you know, Francesco Rossi. Yeah, I, I had a good relationship with him. We were friends. And uh, unfortunately, unfortunately, he died during, before I finished the movie. And um, for many direct Italian directors, uh, he was um, a, a reference for the kind of cinema that he did, and also for me. And uh, in addition to this, uh, one night before writing this movie, I went at his house at a dinner. There was an old friend with him. They were about 80, and they started to argue about a girlfriend that they had uh, 75 years before. So I stole this uh, fact, and I put in the movie. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And um, um, Nicola, um, you you have worked with you know Paula for for many 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 years. You know, and you know what was it like? accomplishing this latest film with this, you know, international cast. And, you know, and the film deals with art, with youth, with, with time. You know, I just wonder how did it feel, you collaborating with Paolo and the themes and the international cast? Yeah, we, we know each other um, 20 years that we know each other. And we start to work together uh, in... Uh, 2000, uh, 98, we did the short film. He, he did the short film that I produced. And so it's a long trip we did, we did together. And uh, after The Great Beauty, Paolo told me he wants to do a film, uh, a little film, and uh, with, uh, with uh, two old actors, two old um, characters. And, and then he, he decided to, to try to hire Michael Caine. And 
it, I have to say that we we supposed to be to, to have a hard work to do in 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 terms of having this incredible cast. But I have to say that Michael Caine immediately say yes. Uh, it was before the the, the 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 Oscar to the Great Beauty. We met him in in London uh, having lunch and. Lunch in uh, in October. It was it was October, and he immediately say yes. And then I have said that during uh, uh, the long trip we did in the U.S. for uh, the, the Great Beauty, uh, we had the chance to meet to meet uh, um, so many actors. Uh, we met we met Rachel Weisz in New York. We we had a, a coffee together with with her, and Paolo told her the story of the film, and she read the script and immediately, immediately say yes. And the same happens to Jen Fonda that we, we met during a party for a, a Weinstein movie, and Paul had in mind to send her the script, and she immediately said yes. And the same happened with Paul Dano and Harvey. I have to say, we thought it was so difficult to have this kind of cast. I have to say that probably they loved Paolo movies, Paolo work, Paolo's visions, and that they trust him to, 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 be, mm, to be leading this, in the story. And for me, it was... Uh, it was hard to deal with the agents, of course, <laughs> and then, <laughs> but but at the end, the film tells that we did it. We worked out. Um, David, you composed. This is the first time you compose for a film, correctly. Um, it's the first time I've done such a, a a big film as the composer. I, I've done a few littler things, but um, but this is the the most exciting one that I've And done, yes. uh, Paolo requested, you had to compose all the music even before, you know, you know, filming. Can you tell us, you know, that experience and, you know, and the reason for, for that? Well, I think one of the really beautiful things about this film is that Paolo imagined a movie in which the music would actually be a character. You know, the music would have the ability to... Um, to really tell you um, narrative things. It wouldn't be just accompaniment. It would be something where the music was really needed in order to get into the mind of the character and show you the journey that he goes on from start to finish, and that everything would lead up in this um, incredible song that's been spoken about for the entire movie. So music was so important in Paolo's imagination for this that the music had to be written before the script could really be finished, before the shots could be made and the actors could be coached. And you know, so it was a very um, exciting and interesting um, problem to solve. You know, how do you make music for a film that doesn't exist? You know, because usually you make music for a film and the, the film is finished and you are responding to the visuals and to the acting and the editing and you're just trying to help everyone do their thing. But this was actually um, um, uh, such a powerful and important and necessary role for music that the music had to be done before anything else could be. Yeah. And Paolo, um, one of the, you know, there are many, many themes in this movie that resonate with all of us, but the one thing that I get out of your film that I, I found so inspiring, the notion that without the future, how can one be young? Um, and I just wonder if you could, you know, talk a little, little bit about that. Yes, the idea is that um, youth and freedom, in my mind, are the same thing. And so 
regardless of uh, your age, if you think at the future, future in terms of the freedom, you can be young, if you have a perception of the freedom tomorrow. Mm -hmm. That's the, I don't know if it's an idea or it's uh, an hope. Maybe it's more uh, my hope that uh, a real idea. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And this thing I tried uh, to tell uh, inside the movie, in, in the movie, yeah. And, and you know you've worked with um, you know you know terrific cast before international cast. But what was it like working with with Michael Caine, Harvey Keitel, Paul Dano, Rachel Weisz, and you know the incomparable Jane Fonda? What was it like for you to be working with this with this incredible cast? Very exciting and easy. The great actors, everything is very easy. So, um, so I was really relaxed, and um, yes, they they were able to do everything without me. So they were, um, <laughs> <laughs> and so um, I I dedicated uh, mostly to the shots because the actors went alone. They were able to do everything without asking me. So only when they exaggerated, I told them something. But it was very, very exciting. They are great actors and um, great human beings. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And earlier we talked to Michael Caine, and he, you know, we talked about the fact that you wrote the part of Fred uh, specifically yeah, for him. For him yeah. You know, can you, you know, talk about, you know, why Michael Caine and why did you write the role for him? Because uh, in my mind, the character was um, a, a right balance of authority and levity, and the only actor that, uh, in my mind, is able to um, to communicate this uh, balance between authority and levity is uh, Michael Caine of that generation. I, I haven't other names for that role. Yeah. So if he refused, probably I gave up to do the movie. Well, let's open it up for... Yes, go ahead. Um, I have a question about the location because it's so beautiful. Was that a challenge to find? Was it a challenge to find the location? I, I had in my mind a two, a, a, a hotel with the two characteristics, so, uh, the rooms and the restaurant uh, uh, old and the spa new. And... Um, because I saw that kind of, of hotel but in Italy, but uh, one hotel that was in my mind, it was not available, and then I didn't find other hotels in Italy with um, this kind of characteristics, so and I, 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 I found in, uh, in Switzerland after a long uh, research, yes. Yeah, go ahead, sir. Yes, uh, for David, uh, one, um, you can hear me, uh, Sumi Joe, were you involved with uh, her uh, selection to do the final number? You know, um, Paolo was involved with the selection of Sumi Joe to sing the final number. So Sumi Joe is actually a named character in the script. So from the very early discussions about uh, who would sing this song, Sumi Joe was the character. And that final number, it, uh, I couldn't help but think of Mahler and some of those rapturous and uh, 
It was, uh, I'm a little bit of Strauss, but did you have inspirations for the number? I didn't really have any musical inspirations. I, I had musical goals for it. You know, I sort of know um, the range of all the over-the-top, over super expressive, very emotional music. So Mahler is actually someone who is not um, far from my mind most of the time. So um, I wasn't really thinking of channeling it, but maybe that's what I did. Um, and maybe subconsciously I associated Mahler with the location of Switzerland also, but um, uh, you know, I really wasn't trying to imagine that it was a particular kind of music. I really was just trying to do something that would have the most emotional resonance. So something that would start simply and gradually and gracefully and lead you kind of inexorably someplace that would be emotional. And so that was sort of my goal. I've written I've written a lot of vocal music, so um, mostly in an opera context, actually. So, which if in my secret heart I am an opera composer, so um, so that's sort of um, I I tried to channel all of my um, my opera love uh, into this part and into the scoring of the whole film, actually. Sunita, thanks. Yeah, go ahead, ma'am. David just told us that it was your idea that Sumijo, you know, you want to put Sumijo in this film. So, were you a fan of her, or how did you find out her? I, I the my intuition. My brought me to to choose her. I I um, selected some important singers. And um, I trust over. Yeah, I don't know why I choose her. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead, ma'am. crazy project like this where you have to do all the music first and then you have to um, record a scene in a meadow and find the harmonics of cows making moo sounds and <laughs> I mean what is in you that makes you go oh sure I'll take that on you know I really want to have as much fun as possible <laughs> and it's hard to have as much fun as you can in life if you only do the same thing over again you know mm -hmm. And the weird thing about having a career, I think, is very quickly you learn there's some things I can do and I can get credit for them. And it's actually okay with the world if I never do anything else other than that ever for the rest of my life, you know? And I'm sure that there are many people who are happy living like that, but for some reason, I feel like uh, I want to do um, interesting and strange things. And one of those interesting and strange things actually has to do with um, collaboration. You know, so I do a lot of collaboration with other people because when you work with someone else, there's someone else's needs or someone else's problems or someone else's ideas that have to be worked out. And through working those things out, I find something in myself that I wouldn't have been able to find um, without them. And this is actually a project um, that falls into that category. You know, there are things that I did on this film that I think Paolo knew I could do that I didn't know I could do. 
if Paolo knew how little I knew how to do this, I'm sure he would not have asked me to do this. But actually, um, it was an incredible opportunity for me um, to grow, and I'm really happy I had it. So since you are going to be so mentioned in every list that anybody is going to vote on this season, what did you find out about yourself? Um, you know, oddly, the, the most difficult thing for me in this entire movie was that the, it seems like the entire narrative hinges on, on, on this song being emotional, on this song being something that can break your heart right in front of you, you know? This is very much not the way I usually write music. You know, usually the way I write music is um, I, I write music which is a little more subtle and I think I want to break your heart but I'm really happy if the way I break your heart is, um, oh, like a month later, you wake up in the <laughs> middle of the night and you go, wait a second, that's, that's amazing. You know, um, a film can't do that. You know, a film happens in front of you and it has to be solved in front of you and it has to be um, that level of passion and commitment right in front of you. And I kept sending these uh, uh, demos to Paolo and Paolo kept you know, writing me back saying, Oh, I am crying a little, but I need to cry a lot. <laughs> and, um, and, you know, the, the strange thing is that's what it needs to do for the film. That's what the character needs and what the narrative needs and what the story needs. But for me, that's something that I um, shy away from as a composer. It's something that I, um, that, that I don't always do, you know, that I don't try to do. So for me, that was a really great... Um, uh, challenge for myself. But you had your Dr. Phil moment. Excuse me? You had your Dr. Phil moment. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> yeah, get back, sir. Thanks. Towards the end of the movie, there's a discussion about cinema versus narrative in television. Do you as a filmmaker still feel that even with the glut of TV narratives, that cinema still has the same power as before? I am pretty sure that the cinema and television are not in competition uh, each other. I think that um, there are two different things. Cinema is the father and um, the kind of television that we do now is the son. So the son now is more beautiful because he's, he's uh, younger. Mm. And, uh, <laughs> But um, but uh, we can't uh, um, uh, give up at the father, so I don't think that uh, one thing is against the, the other one. It's only a big opportunity for us, uh, above all, but also for the audience uh, to to play with the father and with the son at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. Hi, uh, I wanted to go back uh, to the location that Courtney mentioned. Um, it, was it? I love that everything was essentially so contained there. Was that something, an idea you had from the beginning? Why did you want to set it in this kind of you know, hotel retreat location? Fin dall'inizio l'idea di qualcosa di molto contenuto. È stata una tua idea fin dall'inizio di filmare in un ambiente così? Yeah, yeah, yes, yes. It's, um, I have many ideas of movies uh, that uh, uh, once uh, the critics called the camera spiel film, films inside uh, um, a room, inside an house, inside a, a location, and I like that kind 
of challenge, yes. So it was from the first moment of this, this idea, yes. Paolo, the, the, the camera work in the film is very simple, very elegant, um, but um, it strikes me the opening scene is, it, you know, sets the tone for the rest of the film. Can you talk about, you know, that opening, you know, moment with the singer and the, and the circular camera mm. around yeah. it? I, um, actually, it was an idea of the editing because that scene was uh, in the middle of the um, movie, and um, but uh, as uh, always uh, happen, I love uh, so much the song um, that the the singer uh, sings that I decided to open the movie with that song. It's just uh, a question of gusto, It's just a matter of taste. Yes, a matter of taste. Go ahead, ma'am. Looking at the poster again, it reminded me of that scene. And, and is that supposed to be like a metaphor of age, or, or of something that where he, where Michael Caine is walking and Miss Universe is walking, and they have to kind of get out of each other's way? And yeah, is that kind of a metaphor? Do you think of of you? I think it's. I think it's. Uh, uh, no, it's. It, it, I don't know if it's a metaphor. It's a real thing. Sad real thing. <laughs> Michael Caine can't have that girl. <laughs> <laughs> yes, but of course it's also a, m a metaphor. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, go ahead, sir. Yes, uh, Paolo. What are uh, your What are your influences from other filmmakers and or ones you hold in high regard? The influences of other filmmakers, um, there are for sure, but because I know that there are some movies that uh, I have seen many, many times and other movies that I haven't seen at all. So, um, but I am not able to recognize the, the influences when I work. When I work, I have always the feeling that uh, I am inventing for the first time, I think, but I know that's not true, of course. So the influences are not so conscious like uh, like uh, the people uh, believe. Yeah. But no names? Yeah, but uh, they are always the same. Fellini, Scorsese are the, the most two important two names that influenced me. Yes. Yeah, go, go back. Yes, ma'am. Go ahead. Um, you you said that uh, the the working with such a uh, veteran actors is like uh, easy, but what what was more like a um, the fun experience or fun moment working with them? What surprised you working with Michael, Harvey, Rachel, and Paul and Jen? Dici che lavorare con loro è stato facile, ma cosa ti ha sorpreso nel lavorare con loro? Di loro? Cosa ti ha sorpreso? Yeah, what's moment most memorable right now? Qual è il momento più memorabile del lavoro che hai fatto con loro? No, I, I am sorry, I haven't a, a memorable moment. There are many memorable um, evenings, nights that we spend together. And um, yes, there are some scenes very intense that we did, like the scene between Michael and Rachel uh, on the two beds when uh, there is a long monologue of uh, Rachel, or uh, the scene between Jane Fonda and Harvey Keitel was very strong and intense for us and for them to shoot. Uh, 
Mm. Yes, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, unfortunately, I forget the anecdotes. I know that the anecdotes happened, but I forget <laughs> always. <laughs> yeah. I am sorry. It's, uh yeah. Go ahead, ma'am. Um, my question is for Paolo and everybody. Do you think that there's uh, more of a trend nowadays? Like people are more um, interested in, in films and um, TV shows featuring older, more mature actors? I think it's a tendency today to I, I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't. I haven't. Uh, I, I don't check uh, so well uh, all the things <laughs> to to give an answer to that. <laughs> And if I don't know, you don't know. Yeah. You don't <laughs> <use> <laughs> Go ahead, man. Going back to the camera work, everything was so beautifully um, shot. Like all the shots almost seemed like paintings and, you know, so beautifully orchestrated. And I was just wondering how much was that planned ahead of time and how much was once you got on set and seeing what you had and working with it from there and working with the DP? La bellezza delle scene è una cosa a cui hai pensato prima o una volta che sei arrivato a filmare hai deciso che, ah, ok, questo è particolarmente bello, lo devo fare in questo modo? No, during the scouting location I do many, many pictures. Then I see again the pictures, uh, and uh, between the pictures, I find the, the future uh, shots that I will do. In part, then when uh, the arrived the actors, I invent others um, shots. But the location helped me a lot, and of course the faces of the actors uh, and of the actors. Yes. Go ahead. Not only do you have Sumi Joe in this movie, but you also have Paloma Faith, who's a big uh, British pop star. Yeah. Um, how did was it always going to be her, or did you have somebody else in mind, or how did she come about? How did she enter the conversation? No, at the beginning in the script uh, there wasn't Paloma Faith, but there was uh, um, the character was the secretary of uh, the husband of. Um, of uh, Rachel Weiss, and uh, the secretary was uh, a woman around uh, 50 years old, very anonymous. But uh, I looked for a long time uh, that car, that actress, and I didn't find her. And one day my wife uh, says to me to see, a, for other reasons, a video clip of uh, Paloma Fate, and uh, I thought she was perfect. Uh, for the role, so I changed the, the script uh, for her, and um, then I found out that she was uh, a great fan of um, The Great Beauty. She, she, she had done uh, a video clip inspired by The Great Beauty, so I understood that it was the right choice. We had a good uh, relationship, yeah. yeah. Go ahead, sir. With who? Ah, she's very funny. She's very funny and um, very open-minded to do uh, whatever uh, somebody asks. And this is uh, a paradise for a director that you can ask whatever you want, and uh, she does. Yes. So you think you have a future in rock videos? Me? <laughs> no, they they don't pay enough. They don't pay. Enough. <laughs> which of the which of the character? For Paolo, which of the characters in the film do you feel reflects you the most? Fred, Mick, uh, Jimmy Tree, or maybe one of the others? 
Dove io mi ricordo che si avvicina No, I mm, maybe I am very close to the Harvey Keitel's character, but I would love to become like Michael Caine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, everybody, thank you so much for being here, and thank you thank to you Paolo much. and David and Nicola.